welcome to 360 Conversations. This is a podcast featuring powerful conversations with busy women who are simplifying their lives, living intentionally, and creating space for everyday joy. I'm Tammy Thomas, and this is episode five. Today, I'm joined by Jessica Rogers. Jessica is a business coach that uses her skills to support her clients to find more joy, passion, and purpose in their work. In this episode, we talk about creating space to allow ourselves to be, to give our feelings permission to come to the surface so that we can acknowledge them and create pathways to living our passions. We also touch on our cultural heritage as children of immigrants and the impact that has had on our values and the messages we have internalized. During this conversation, Jessica talked about how much she is an advocate for journaling Her description of the power of journaling was so powerful that we've decided to collaborate and do a four-minute journaling challenge, which we'd love you to join us in. Please keep an eye on our Instagram pages at Live360 and at Jessica Rogers Coach for more information. I hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to episode five of 360 Conversations. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of being in conversation with Jessica Rogers, who is a business coach, I think. Um, Well, I'm saying I think, I know that she is, but I know that coaching lends itself to lots of other things. Um, She's a business coach with oodles of experience. a common thread that you'll find in terms of the women that I'm interviewing is that I've met a lot of them via Instagram. And um, Jessica came into my consciousness via Instagram. Um, Actually, I'm telling a fib. I had a consultation with Jessica ages ago. um, And at that time, I wasn't ready for what she was offering. Um, But then again, she popped up on Instagram. And um, I really like her presence and the things that she shares and the way Jessica I like the way you engage with other people because sometimes on platforms like Instagram it can feel a little bit disingenuous sometimes there are connections being made for the sake of growth in quotation marks rather than for genuine connection And please, let me be honest, I've done a bit of that myself um, and realised that it just didn't feel good. Um, And Jessica just doesn't seem to be about that stuff at all. Um, And whilst what she does loosely falls into self-help, it's not the sort of nebulous, where am I going with this self-help? It's actually really actionable stuff or stuff that you can really apply to yourself as an individual. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Jessica um, to introduce herself and tell us a bit about what she does. Over to you, Jess. Uh, thanks, Tammy. So um, you're right, I am a business coach, um, and that's the title I've given myself. But I think definitely with the work that I do, the women that I work with, we coach their whole, whole lives. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a life coach come business coach come success coach. Essentially, I see my role is helping women to embrace fully 
their true power and their true greatness and also to really recognize what work that they want to do and what impact they want to make on the world because I firmly believe that if you're doing work that really makes the difference that you want to make in the world it's always going to be filled with purpose it's always going to be filled with joy which I think is really really important Um, so it's about finding your place in the world and your place in your life um, and finding the work that brings you that true joy and that true purpose. Um, so I'll say coach <laughs> as, as an umbrella yep. uh, and business coach for marketing purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what led you to becoming a big business coach? Because your background hasn't always been coaching. No, it hasn't at all. Um, so I, I did that. I, um, you know, I was a good girl through school and I did all the right things mm-hmm. and um, started a marketing career like straight out of university. And I worked on mainly children's brands. So I worked in publishing. Um, I did a little bit of work in TV. Um, and then I finished my marketing career of marketing toys. And whilst I enjoyed it and I was pretty good at it, mm-hmm. even if I do say that myself. Um, toot, toot. I I always knew something was missing um, and I didn't quite know what it was and it's that kind of I suppose it's a bit of a a common story I sort of became a Mm mum had my first child 10 years ago he's 10 now Um, and it's in that process of negotiating my return to work that I saw the opportunity to do something different and if I'm honest it was partly because my negotiation wasn't going very well and my company who were a toy a very big toy company um ironically were not being very flexible around working mums that's interesting Uh, yeah um and I think it's it's something that I hear so much now and I think the the tide is changing now definitely but um back then um you know that's only 10 years ago Mm -hmm. I didn't really feel that I would be supported I didn't feel supported at all um and I was having this real conflict where it was like i my career is really important to me, you know, doing something, using my brain is really important to me, but I've got this baby, you know, it's beautiful, amazing gift. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't really see myself putting him in nursery from eight till six, Monday to Friday, <clears throat> which is basically what, what was going to be required. Oh gosh. I've said so many times in work situations when the demands have been really high mm-hmm. that, um, I didn't give birth to a child for them to go to work. Why should my child be doing a work day because you want me to do more with less? Totally, completely. And, you know, it was that kind of that, that pull, even when I was, I did a couple of keeping in touch days, Mm -hmm. leaving my son and I left my son with family. It wasn't like I left him in nursery. Mm -hmm. I had that real pull and I just thought, "I, I can't do this every day. Yeah. Um, and so I started seeing a coach myself, um, and it was actually an executive coach who I had been coached by previously because I was on a, an executive coaching program, um, you know, dur- during, during my work time. So I contacted this coach who I got on really well with, um, and just started having some sessions with him to try and find some direction. Cause mm-hmm. you know, I knew something was missing. I didn't know what it would, was going to be. I almost had this gift a concealed gift from my my company in the sense of they were making it difficult for me or making my return difficult and so 
it was an opportunity for me to explore something different, a new way. So was that coach via your work or did you commission that yourself? I commissioned that myself. So I knew him via work because mm-hmm. I'd been on um, young managers program the year before mm-hmm. and I just happened to have really clicked with him so I just thought I'll give him a call and just have a chat to see you know <laughs> I don't even know what I, I didn't really have a purpose I just kind of thought I just give him a call to have a chat because I he was an external person objective person who wasn't invested in my life so you know you've got your friends and family who are saying I think you should do this this is what's best for you yeah so I just needed somebody to give me just just somebody who didn't know the ins and outs to just say to me, look, I was hoping actually that he would tell me what to do. <laughs> now we're getting to the truth of it. Yeah. Yeah. And she thought he'll help me. His name was Phil. Phil, Phil will help. Phil will, Phil will tell me the right thing to yeah. do. So I, I just called him up and he was so giving, you know, he basically, we had this long phone conversation. I remember I had my son in his bounce chair just the, I was sitting on the sofa and he was in his bouncy chair sort of on the floor next to me mm-hmm. and I was um, sort of bouncing him and looking at him and I was having this chat to this guy to this coach um, and he said he actually what he said was let's not just dive into like coaching let's let's have a chat let's have a you know come come and see me he had um, a, although he worked in London he had a house down in Sussex he said come down to Sussex you know come down for the morning we'll have a chat we'll look wow. at your options and then we'll go from there and that's what I did. And it led into coaching, you know, coaching sessions. But it was just like, I mean, I found myself drawing breath and it was literally like breathing. Like, <clears throat> And I kind of got out of London because I lived in London at the time, got out of London and I had my sessions with him, my first couple of sessions with him face to face after our chat. And it was just some breathing space and it was just some... Um, it was just space, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and having that objective person give me, help me find different perspectives, help me find clarity, just made such a difference. Mm-hmm. Can't actually articulate what a difference it made. It was just like, it was like, it was like light. Yeah. It was like, literally like light. So um, it was in that process that I had, I remember, had a particularly um interesting conversation with the HR person at my old company, um, which led to an email from her telling me how I was going to be working. So this was, this must've been in July and I was due to go back to work in September, just after my son turned one. Right. And she was telling me my new work terms. Okay. It was, it wasn't a, you know, so this is what we'd like to do. It was like, this is what you will do. Mm -hmm. And I remember one of the things was that I could work at home, um, two days a week but um, and she put in writing, we will expect your child to be in childcare during that time. So what's the? Why are you giving? You, why are they giving you that flexibility then? Because well, because they're not. <laughs> they're not. That's the point. I had a similar experience when I returned to work after maternity leave, which was ten years ago. And my daughter's eleven, and um, I worked for you know my background social work. I was working in a children's services department. Um, we work with the or worked with the Children's Act 1989 and one of the first sentences in the Children's Act 1989 is that the welfare of the child is paramount so I went back to work saying um, I would like to explore working part-time and the head of service said "Um, there's no room for working part-time you either come back full-time or you don't 
that that's literally what the head of service said to me and asked me why I want to work part time. Um, fortunately, the manager I had at the time said, um, you've accrued all of this um, annual leave. Why don't you for the next three months take two days a week annual leave so you have a phased return to work? Um, and that was the best I could do. And that was with me having, and, and I was, you know, my daughter and I were still very um, attached, um, not in a stifling kind of way, but we are very much spiritually connected, I would say. Um, so leaving her was very difficult. And that was with me having my mum looking after her. I think my mum was looking after her two days a week initially. And I had the most wonderful childminder who I could tell loved my daughter. And I used to joke all the time that I was worried that one day I would go to the childminder's house and they would have packed up and moved. That's how much yeah. the of a loving environment it was. I just thought, shit, they're going to kidnap my daughter. But I think that this notion of flexible working is quite new. And I'm sorry to take you off track, but I do wonder whether it's because millennials are now at a phase where more of them are of an age where they're having children. And unlike our generation, they feel empowered enough to be able to ask for not just what they need but also what they want and I think our generation was that keep your head under the radar work really hard impress your bosses get their approval you are what you do so your output input at your output equals who you are so suck it up and keep going and I remember having a conversation when I returned to work when I was finding it difficult with some of the older women in my workplace and I was saying to them that I'm going to speak to the head of service saying that to tell her that I was finding this quite difficult to see if there was any degree of flexibility and they said don't you ever show that you're weak you just carry on speak to your family see what you can do but don't ever let them know that you're not coping yeah. And I really internalised that for a very long time. Yeah, I, th I think you're so right about t t the millennials today. I think that people, um, definitely women, are encouraged to um, believe that they they can achieve what they want to achieve in life and in work. Yeah. They can ask for what they want and it's fine. And they, they, they need to be unapologetic about it. And I think that's great. Yeah. But just definitely going back not very far actually you know as you say our generation it was that case of you you do what you've got to do and you rise through the ranks and you're you know you're proud of the fact that you've risen through the ranks and you've you know you've kept your you've kept your face yeah and, and actually yeah. you know in weakness it, it wasn't acceptable and Definitely. is it weakness it's of course it's not weakness it's being human yeah and it's almost like you had your work face and you had your home face. And, you know, if you, I mean, I was quite lucky in my career to make good friends in different places I worked. But if you, um, if when you were at work, you were the work person, you you were go-getting, you were striving, and, you know, and that and that was okay. And then you could play hard as much as you want. As long as when you came to work, you got your head down. Yep. And I think it's so different now. And so, yeah, I mean, put it like this. I worked for a toy company, you know, children's toys. Yep. My marketing department in children's toys was like 
90% women. The average age was probably about 32. Mm-hmm. The summer that I, my son's born in September, the summer that I went on maternity leave, six of us, six women went on maternity leave between July and September. Wow, that's a lot. Our big pregnant bellies. Ask me how many of those women went back. Two of those women went back and they, were, they went back and left within a year. I mean, that's, how unfortunate is that? It's ridiculous. Absolutely. And how much we to give, how much we were giving, how much we were willing to give. Mm-hmm. And it was almost like, well, if you're not going to come back and do the hours, because it's an American company, it required long hours because of the time difference at times. If you if you can't do the long hours, it, you know, it was it was very. Um, oh, do you think you're going to be able to cope? And I, I remember one of the things my new manager, because I was moving into a new team, and um, she she said something along the lines of, I'd love to give you more flexibility, but the thing is, if we give you too much flexibility, it'll upset the rest of the team. And, and, I, and I remember being seen with her because it was it was my third keeping in touch day when I was told that they were re-changing and everything around and mm-hmm. I was going to some new brands. And I just looked at her and I was like, Okay. And you know, and I don't know, motherhood, I don't know if it gives you a different mind, different uh-huh. kind of quality. And I'm thinking, that isn't right. What she's just said to me isn't right. If it was now, I'd be on social media telling Of course. <laughs> You'd tell Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Exactly. But I just sort of sat there and went, oh. And then I remember telling my friend, and she was like, well, I suppose it might piss other people off. And my friend wasn't being hot, but she was like, I, I suppose I kind of see which they might piss other people off. But it is a bit of an odd thing to say. And then we both kind of went, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can go back, really. I didn't think about fighting it and saying, hold up, you can't say yeah. that to me. It was just like, yeah, maybe it's, you know, it's not the right place for me to go back to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to piss off my other, you know, my yeah, other yeah, yeah. But that was that. that is how it was. Yeah. just 10 short years ago yeah. and um this sort of number one thinking with my um 2010 plus brain I'm thinking actually that would have really been something quite uh motivational for the other employees and I think that that would have fostered really great employer employee relationships yeah. um and also they're just missing out on highly skilled, qualified staff simply because they want presenteeism. Totally, totally. And, you know, it was and it was like um, being allowed to work from home two days a week was going to be a real privilege for me. <laughs> you know, that's how it was sold to me. When you do more work when you work from home, because you literally slide out of bed into work and then you go from work to bed, you practically work 12 hours. Exactly, because you're not thinking, I need to do that commute home. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there, you can, you're still doing the emails, you're still checking and you're still, you know, still doing everything yeah. you need to do. But that was completely lost, you know, um, on that employer. So um, I just, I, I got, so I got this email from this HR person and I sat there and I, I remember my husband was out, um, baby was asleep and I poured myself a really large glass of wine mm-hmm. and I just, I literally... Something happened in my brain, just went, no. And I, I drafted my resignation and I like drank this glass of wine and I thought, right, this is it. And I just sent it. And then I sat there and wow. went, Wow. On maternity leave? <laughs> Sorry? You did that on maternity leave? Yes, yeah. I just thought, no. And then I went to bed and I, and I lay in bed and I was thinking, oh my God, what have I done? I've, yeah, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> and the next morning, I said to husband, I've got something to tell you. And he was like, what? And then I told him. You, did, like, you didn't discuss it with your husband first. No, I just, I'm saying, I put myself a life close to mine. Honestly, tell me something. It was literally like the lights came on. I read this email from this woman and I thought, this is mad. Yeah. And I, you know, I think the coaching had helped because I started to find myself, okay. if I'm honest. Yeah. And I just, so I, I did it. So in the morning, I just said, I've got something to tell you. And he was like, oh, and I, I told him. And he was like, oh, it's all right. We'll manage. And I was like, oh. But then it was like, there was that kind of reality here. Of, We've got a mortgage. Okay. We've got <laughs> But you know what? We did manage. And I think it was the real catalyst that made me decide what it was I wanted to do with my life and, you know, who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. Because I stepped up my coaching. Um, You know, I was owed annual leave. I got all sorts of payments. I was owed annual leave. I got my bonus. So they were financially kind of had a little bit of a buffer once I pushed that button. Mm -hmm. Um, And... My, so in the coaching, it was like, well, why don't you think about doing some coaching, you know, coaching training? And I was thinking, yeah, it'd be quite nice personal development. And I started the training and I just loved it. Mm-hmm. It was like, I felt like, I remember that the first, I, did, um, I coached with the Coaches Training Institute. So you, the first part of it is core curriculum and it's four weekends. And I remember the first weekend on the um, Saturday, sitting there looking around with, a bunch of people, strangers, who were not really people I'd ever encounter in my day-to-day life, completely different to me, varying ages, different backgrounds. And it was just like, I've come home. Wow. This feels right. You know, I was bearing my soul to these people I'd known for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And I, that's not me. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm, I'm quite a private person. Mm-hmm. But the environment was so safe, was so nurturing, and so kind of um so productive <laughs> okay yeah it was just right wow how and beautiful I, and I just thought yeah this is this is where I want to be I want to see people going through transformation I want to see people having those aha moments mm-hmm. I want to see people being real like really real mm-hmm. um yeah this is what I want to do that's really powerful and I talk a lot about um, creating space for everyday joy and one of the common threads with the mothers I've spoken to is maternity leave being a period of time where let's face it the very beginning of parenting it's very demanding but you have lots of void time Mm. um, because you know Baby's routines are quite demanding but simple. So it's sleep, eat, feed, Mm. wind for hours and hours, sleep, eat, feed. So you do have pockets of time to really think. And I think that that's, I think it's really important for us all, no matter how busy we are, to carve out time so that we have space to let our brains, it's like our brains are always... um, stiff on guard Mm. we need time for them to just relax and be soft so that whatever thoughts need to bubble up bubble up without us suppressing them but you know what I didn't learn that till after maternity leave oh yeah of course (laughs) yeah yeah because you know on maternity it's so interesting that you say that because yeah when I first had my son 
I had this time, but I've always been, a, I had always been a doer. Right. So right. I wanted to fill all my time and do, 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 and get out and do this and do that. And if I, I didn't allow myself to be in a way that I would, I know, I, with hindsight, you know, it's a wonderful thing. Indeed. I would have so benefited from, and I think as a result, when I had him, you know, I was pretty low. But I felt low in myself. I didn't present as being low. Mm -hmm. I presented as being absolutely fine, mm -hmm. coping. But I, I wasn't. And when mm -hmm. I look back now and I look at some of the photos, it was empty. The void wow. was in my eyes. Yeah. Like, um, it's amazing how you can perform and people don't really realise when you have a baby. And I wonder if it's because people's focus is on the baby, mm. so they're not really seeing... Mm. They might be seeing the mother, but they're not seeing just the person, if you get what I mean. Yeah. I remember my mum, actually, because I, you know, my mum is a 60-something African woman mm -hmm. who doesn't really talk emotions, if I'm, if I'm Girl, honest. You know, you know? <laughs> I know that very well. <laughs> very um, supportive, but that deep emotive kind of talk doesn't... Does it happen? Exactly. Yeah. So she she was there, mm -hmm. she was bathing a baby and this yeah. and that and that. And I remember her saying to me, looking at me one day, and my son must have been, I don't know, eight, nine weeks old. So I got over the initial hump, you know, mm -hmm. that initial mm -hmm. shock system. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me, she said, are you okay? And, and, I, and I, I remember kind of, she, she said, are you okay? It was a split second. I, I was like, Oh, I don't know. But before I could even process the question, she was like, anyway. <laughs> Literally, that opened the door, then shut it just before you put your foot in. Oh, my goodness. And it was, there was no, there was nothing, um, there was no, nothing malicious about it. No, it no, just, no. That's how it, it is. She was, yeah. And it was, you know, it was like, let me, t let, let me take him now. Yeah. You, you, you go and sleep. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. Um, and I, and I think, that's a, so that's a, so I just got on with it yeah. because my mum helped me get on with it. Yeah. But I think you're so right that you have that space, and if you can just breathe mm -hmm. and just be, mm -hmm. it's amazing what you notice. Oh my goodness, yes. And, and it's what, amazing. It's amazing what you notice about outside, but also what you notice about inside. So. Mm -hmm. Whilst for me, maternity leave was an opportunity for me to think, um, I don't want to do this in the way that I'm doing it at the moment in terms of work. Um, I wasn't, I was still very much what I'm describing as, I was still very much in a very patriarchal trail of thought in terms of how I should be. So it's go, 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 put yourself up by your bootstraps, um, yeah. all that kind of narrative, push through, you can do it. Sleeping is cheating, da 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 da, da those <laughs> yeah. kind of things. Life is hard and you have to work. That is it, that is it, that kind of thing. So there's the patriarchal sort of narrative that we grow up with because we live in a world which is very patriarchal. Then there's the um, narrative from being um, first generation, a child of immigrants who were very much about coming here for a better life, utilizing yeah. your opportunities don't make fuss do what you're doing if you can't beat them join them rise above doing better doing better than us you're doing better than us doing better than us you know and it then, doesn't matter if you 
crumbling. You're doing better. You're doing better. Yeah. On top of that, because you're a black child, you have to work ten times hard, ten times as hard to get half the recognition. My favorite line was, you, um, "You will always be behind number one because you're black, number two because you're a woman." There we my go. Dad, I just there say we that. go. My dad used to say that. Wow, you see. And, was, and so you must, you all must, must always be the best. Right. So that was motivation. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> that was motivation. So you have all of these things, and it's only. So that was 10 years ago. Mm. It's taken 10 years practically for me to realise that all of those things that I was buying into, in inverted commas, I wasn't buying into, I was forcing myself, um, which was just creating a constant internal battle. So being totally disconnected from my heart, living so much in my mind that everything, and also because the work that I did, a lot of my work is based on analysis. So everything was being analysed. Nothing was really being enjoyed for what it was. And it was only when I got to a point where I thought, you know what, this work and this lifestyle is going to break me. I've got to slow down um, and experiencing anxiety, which at the time I didn't realise was anxiety. And when I realised or when I had a conversation with the doctor and realised what it was, or the doctor said, this is what it is. I was like, how could I not have known? Because I work with people that experience these kind of difficulties all day long, but I could see it out there. I could never see it within. And it was that, that was like um, turning a new page on a chapter or ending a chapter that was so damn long. Mm. It was almost like I couldn't find the way out because it was such a long chapter. So being put in a position where I was confronted with mental health that was suffering because I was forcing myself to be something that I'm not, Mm. I realised I had to slow down. And in slowing down, I realised that all this that I was doing, I was literally fighting against myself. So then that transferred to everything. I think that I was probably one of the most defensive people I knew, not necessarily, not even not necessarily, not in an, uh, um, what people would perceive to be an aggressive way, but before there was critique, I always had a thousand and one reasons why um, I would internalise things and bear grudges that I wouldn't even admit to myself were grudges. And being still and really registering my behavior my presentation my character whatever made me realize that a lot of what I was casting out in terms of fighting against the world was because I was fighting against myself um and years ago I saw a nutritional psychotherapist and we were doing all this work about nutrition which was great and then she moved on to the more psychotherapeutic side of things and she asked me to do something I think it was um I have difficulty with stating my needs and asking for what I want and need. And so she was saying something about writing a letter to my closest friends, talking about our friendship and stating my needs. And I just couldn't do it. So I stopped seeing her. Um, And I've reflected on that and reflected on the things that she talked about. And um, it just dawned on me that, yeah, I was really fighting against myself. Oh, that was it. She said to me, it seems like I am detached from myself. She said she's looking at me and what she's seeing is somebody who is 
maybe 50%, maybe not quite 50% inside themselves and the rest was just floating about. And I'm smiling now because at that time I felt what she was saying but I didn't understand what she was, what she was saying and going through this process helped me to really understand what she was saying and um, being still and listening to myself made me stop fearing the parts of myself that I didn't quite like. Mm. And do you not think there's something about when you start, when, when your eyes are opened or when, you know, when, when the lights come on, mm. you start to see everything and everything starts to make sense. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. You know, so that's why that relationship did that. Yeah. That's why I perceived that. Um, I, I perceived that friendship to do that, but the truth of the matter was yes. And it's um, it's amazing, and it's it's like it's literally like it, it's like um, you see your life playing out in front of you. Oh my goodness! Literally, yeah. It's like the fog I, was lifting. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I, I found that I I at first I was like oh I should have I kicked myself about the things I didn't do or the things I did wrong. Oh my gosh! But with time, it's like actually, do you know what? I didn't do that, but there's a reason for that because that's why I'm here now. And that's why when these things come up, I know how, I, this is how I choose to be about them. Yeah. And when these things go wrong or these things don't happen for me in the way I expect it to happen, I can accept that there's a reason for it and there's something better around the corner, just something different around the corner. Yeah. It's not right for me in, yeah. in my path. Yeah, totally. To really accept that though. Yep. Really accept that and to not... Um, and to not do that, what if I should have done this, or I'm going to force it to happen this way? There was yeah. this th there was this meme that I saw, and it said something like, um, uh, like ponytails and farts. If you have to force it, it's probably shit. And that's really <laughs> stuck in my mind because everything, everything that I have forced, yeah, it just hasn't. It might not have been shit, but it hasn't worked out in the way that I thought it should. Yeah. And there again goes that word should. Yeah. Um, and letting things flow, the should drops out. Yeah. Because sometimes things, I'm saying fall into place, but they're not falling into place. That's how it was supposed to be. Um, and with that flow, there's the ebb and the flow. So things that go that are supposed to go and things you make things that are supposed to happen, but it's letting go of that should. And I think it's really interesting that you use the word about, um, I, can't, I think you said choose to believe or something, because something that if you look online, a lot of the loud voices or the voices that I heard the most are millennial voices and it's really interesting sometimes I think oh gosh you lot are so lucky because the journey I have had to take and the journey that I see is common with people who are in their late 30s in their 40s and beyond we were brought up thinking that we needed to deserve things and they were brought up thinking or believing that they're worthy so we are now having to let go of this feeling of being deserving and outworking and all that sort of stuff and shifting through to us being worthy. Yeah. And I, I think, um, but there, there is a real, 
there is a real substance and a real purpose for us for, for what we have been through the journey yeah. we have been through about yeah. um you know feeling like we have to deserve because mm-hmm. i think it just it, it means that when we do when we do use our voices we're using our voices in a really meaningful way mm-hmm. So I'm not taken away from millennials and saying, you know, they're, they're not using their voice in a meaningful way. But I think there's there's something that's underneath what we're saying when we're saying it mm-hmm. that that has real power. Yeah. Um, so what I'm trying to say is, I suppose, um, so for me, for example, I, I, you know, I see the value of social media. I, I, I see, you know, well, you know, our connection has grown. You and I. Yeah. Through social yeah. Media, you know? Yeah. Um, but for me, I I will only use my voice and post with purpose. Yes. And so, you know, there there is there are lots of schools of thought. You know, you talk to social, different social media consultants, and there's all this thing about consistency. Yes, I get that. And post every day. The more you post, the more your engagement goes up. The more you know, there's all the um, yeah. analytics behind it all. And I think that's great. And if you use that to build your, you know, when you use that to build your business, or if you have an online business, that is great. But for me. Even though I can see the value of that, and even though I see the difference it makes to my business, I won't, I won't lose. I, I, I stay true to my foundation, which is there is a place for it in my business, there's a, a place for it in my life, but I'm not going to let the the analysis take mm-hmm. over where it sits for me in my life. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's something to do with um, being deserving. Maybe that's something to do with um, having a different mindset when it comes to marketing, promoting, using my voice. But I think that perhaps that that can be a little bit lost if it's all about I am worthy. Yeah. Um, I am entitled. Yeah. And I think there's a fine line. There is a very, very fine line. And I do... Um, totally connect with what you're saying about people thinking that they need to post x to get whatever or just using their voice left right and center I find that sometimes actually just yesterday um somebody posted something on Instagram basically saying Instagram is not life because there's lots of people saying oh I need to take a break from social media it's getting too much if you've got to scratch around to think you've got something to post and actually Evadne said this um in a in a blog post um that if you're scratching around trying to think of something to post then maybe you've lost your inspiration so just take a step back and I say so many times social media is a tool it is not your job even if you are an influencer that relies on social media you do not own social media. MySpace disappeared. People thought that MySpace was going to be around forever. Social media is a tool for your work, but it is not like the be all and end all. And I think that we get lost with this. Like we went on the app store, we downloaded this app, we made a handle, we decided to engage with it. It's it's in our control. We don't have to we don't have to do like I I'm not going to post every day I haven't got anything to post every day and I'm not going to start scratching around driving myself to distract distraction just to post and I think that yeah there is a fine line between worthy and entitled um because sometimes I see commentary and I'm like if you what you're what you're saying is being lost in this Mm -hmm. diatribe um and sometimes I look at things and I just think, oh, 
in five years, you're going to think so differently in 10 years ago. So some, some of it, I think, is the blessing of maturity yeah. as well. And yeah, don't get me wrong, there are a whole load of people doing a whole load of stuff. And I'm like, and maybe it's a part of the West African in me. I'm like, but where's your credentials? Like, you don't just start a Twitter and now you're an expert in... Completely. This is, this is, oh, I'm just, I, you know, I'm with you, the West Africa, I'm going to hide you know, <laughs> You know, when, when, I, when, when, I, um, when, when I went into coaching, for me, I had to be qualified. Oh, and yeah. I know a lot of people, I remember when I first started my time, a life coach, go to my, um, you know, networking meetings, or whatever, and it'd be like, oh, another life coach. Because coaching is not regulated. So actually, you can call yourself speaker, coach, mm-hmm. author, influencer. Mm-hmm blogger what you know whatever you can just you can just say it and that is a real bugbear of mine mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like my I've said it to I've got a great coach now and I say it to her she's a bit like just let it go yeah <laughs> <laughs> actually, yes. and I'm like because actually people you're doing you're doing the profession a disservice mm-hmm. if you if you don't get your credentials if you don't get your training if you don't do your learning if you don't do your exploration and it's not just coaching it's 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 all things you know that you claim to be an expert in you know you don't just wake up and become an expert in it because you've got x number of clients or x number of followers yeah you actually have to do the work you actually have to do the finger snaps (laughs) do the work you know don't just show it do it and 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 it's it's so funny, you know. It's, I've seen so many people, particularly you know, with 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 the online world as it is, you see people come all whistles and all very slick, very beautiful. They're great marketeers. They're great creative people who can work Canva like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and they're up there, and everyone's like, "Oh, they're wonderful, they're wonderful." Yeah. But then, actually, where's the substance? None. What does it mean? Your post today on Instagram. I absolutely love it. Everything on your vision board will remain a vision if all you do is stand there and look at it. And it's the same in this vein. Um, So with the whole sort of um, wellness slash, I'll call it self-help, there's a lot of talk about Mm visualising. The word, like, the word, I love the meaning of the word manifest, but the way it's used makes me bristle Mm-hmm. And people that talk about, you know, having vision boards and all this sort of stuff, because there's a lot of it. It's almost like it's said in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. What about the work that goes behind? Because you're very right. You can have the best vision board, but if you're lying in bed, you can do the best visualizing. If you're not doing anything, you're just running round and round in circles. Where the hell are you going? And, and this is the whole, the word, I'm with you with the word manifesting as well. You know, you can manifest that you're going to become a millionaire, but you can manifest and have a beautiful board and look at it every day, but it's not going to happen unless no. you actually take some action and do something about it. Um, and I think that's uh, sort of back to Instagram a little bit. That's the thing I, I speak to people and they sort of go, and, and that person's doing this and that person's doing that and their feed looks so beautiful. And it's like, it does look beautiful, but you're not going, and, and I, I'd like to be like that person, but you, you, don't, you don't need to be like that person. You need to decide what it is that you want for you and do that and make that happen. It's great to take inspiration, but actually you need to do something about it or you need to take action. It's not just inspiration, it's action as Listen, well. 
I will use Cardi B as an example of being yourself. Nobody thought that that young woman would be able to be, not be, to carve out her success in the way that she has, being exactly who she is. And I think that we all need to take note from that. I mean, you listen to or read blog posts about Instagram and curating your feed and things like that. And I just, I, I look around and whilst they're beautiful, how many more pages of cream, beige, rose gold, peonies, I absolutely love peonies, but how many more pages of that do we need? What about stepping up and being yourself? And mm-hmm. when I looked at your website, which is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Absolutely love, <laughs> love it. Um, your strap line on your first page says, find your joy and your purpose. So thinking about visualizing, manifesting and being authentic how do you support people actually forget people how do you find your joy and your purpose me personally yeah yeah do you know what it's it's, I, I have really really worked hard to hone down for myself how I want to spend my time mm-hmm. and what's really important for me. And that's going to, that might sound a bit odd, like, you know, having to work hard to do that. <clears throat> there's so much going on. There's so much to, con- I, I can, I consume a lot in terms of online and going out to events and meeting people and TV and everything. And actually I started to feel like I didn't really know what it was that made me happy, yeah. like not, like really happy. Yeah. And I've worked really hard to get to this point to understand why I've been on the journey I've been on and how I've been on the journey I've been on. And for me, I know that my joy and my purpose lies in my family yeah. and in my children and in seeing them be the best that they can be. And in, when I can see them doing that, I know that I can, I can be the best that I can be. I can be my true self. Yeah. I can um, speak to people that I want to speak to and know that when there are people that I don't want to spend time with, that's okay. Yeah. I don't have to make a big thing of it. I don't have to make a big and dramatic announcement. I just don't need to spend time with them. Yeah. In working with people that I actually really want to work with. So, yes, of course, I want my business to be successful. I want a full, you know, I want a full load of clients. Mm-hmm. And I want to do work that matters. But actually really working with people that I feel a connection with. Mm-hmm. So a connection with the work that they're doing or with the message that they want to put out. Mm-hmm. So that's why the kind of work that matters in the life you love comes in. Because it's like you can be doing any line of work but if it if it matters to you if it's making the difference that you want to make in the world then that makes it meaningful work yeah what well, doesn't have to be because you're changing the lives of yeah, other yeah, people. yeah you know I agree totally. be because you're bringing some happiness into someone's day by giving them a manicure yeah you know yeah meaningful can mean that you're making people's gardens beautiful by being a, a you know a, a landscaper and so that's that's what brings me joy and that's what brings me purpose working with people working with people that I feel a connection with yeah and working with people to so in doing work for me that matters helping them that do work to do work that Mm -hmm. matters as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. 
and it all comes and what underpins all of that is my family mm-hmm. and my home life mm-hmm. because I, when I'm happy when I'm fulfilled that works yeah yeah no totally just to track back a bit you talked about um you talked about working hard mm. to find out what makes you happy mm. um, and what drives you. I just want to explore that a bit more um, because you talked about it being hard work. I agree mm. because I think to a degree we are programmed to do mm. and or maybe we're not programmed we get into a habit of just doing because we don't do that when we're children we do we sleepwalk we coast so to disrupt that is real hard work could you share some of the work you did Mm. to be able to get there I'm, I'm hoping that anybody looking for a way to actually take stock of themselves will learn something yeah so um this my deeper work started last year mm-hmm. sort of last september october time actually no the summertime and so i've always i've always had a coach and i've always so just to chat back even further so mm-hmm. i've always been a people pleaser <laughs> you know I was, I was a good girl yeah and you know I didn't like to rock the boat. I didn't like to be in trouble. You know, I I, um, I followed mummy and daddy's advice, went to university, you know, all of those things. And whilst in itself, that's not a bad thing. What it meant was that I was always, I was always suppressing sort of the real me. It was almost like it was always in there going, ah, let me out. But I'd always then suppress it down and do the right thing and outwardly be fine and all of the rest of it. And I've, sort of touched on doing the work had therapy I've had I've always had well over the past 10 years always had a coach and I've sort of touched on letting that free but if I'm honest my head has always got in the way and I'm not really ever my goodness me hello about the therapist and you 50% you heard what she was saying she said it was 50% you heard what she was saying but you didn't fully understand it that's where I've been, coast along and, and doing fine. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong, you know, I'm not trying to say my life's been hard. My life's been, <clears throat> been, it's been absolutely fine. Yeah. But I sort of had, I, and I've had two children and I've kind of worked around the kids and done this. I've always felt a bit kind of like, eh, it's not, it's my time. Oh, it's not quite my time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels a bit lukewarm. Oh, a bit lukewarm. And do you know what? I've suffered a lot till, I'd say, the past 12 months, recent, you know, really worried about what people think, yeah. if I'm honest. You know, yeah. like, although I say, I don't care what people think. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And then, um, I just, I think turning 40, I mean, I'm 42 now, but turning 40, um, watching my kids grow up, hearing the things that they say, the narrative that they hear from me and from the outside has really made me wake up. Yes. You know what? Clichéd as it sounds, you do only get one life. Yeah. I will never be 42 in April again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm getting closer to the end than I am the beginning. <clears throat> kids are looking at me 
and seeing how what I play out in the world, and it might not even be what I say, but they see everything. It's what you do. Mm -hmm. I've got a seven-year-old daughter, and I watch how she is, and I hear how she is, and I think, do you know what? It's really, really important to give her the right messages and to show her, to model to her how you can be your best self in the world. And so whilst I'm not sort of putting down the way my parents brought me up, but they, they brought me up in their own system. Yeah, and that was the time. And that was the time. And actually now we're in a completely new world. She, I got most of my influence from my, from my family, really, my parents. My kids get their, are going to get their influence from a whole heap of places yep. that, I, that are, aren't even, that I can't even imagine yep. right now. And so what's really important is that the foundation that they get now, you know, like the values that they see played out now, the systems that they are at the system that they are in now is really, really, it's so much more important now than it's ever been. I think it in, in anyone's life. Absolutely. And so what I, so the work I did was I hired myself. Well, I started working with the most amazing woman I've got to say. And so my coach is called Jack McNeil. She's in um, Canada and she, I came across her. She trained with the Coaches Training Institute and I came across her probably about four or five years ago when she did a podcast for, with, with somebody else that I knew. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, oh my God, this woman is amazing. Mm-hmm. Something about her. And I looked her up and I thought, oh my God, I can't afford, I just couldn't afford to work with her and she's in Canada and why don't you want to work with me anyway? That, that was what I told myself. That was what was going on. But what I said to myself was, oh, she's not right for me. She's too far away. But the truth was what was going on was, that was really what was going on. Yep. And then about a year ago, she came into my consciousness again. It could be through Instagram, actually. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember this woman. I'm just going to reach out to her. So I did. And so it began. And she's taken me on this journey where it's like, yes, she's my coach. She's my mentor. Yes, we've done. Um, she's used coaching tools to help me with my the rebrand of my business. But it's been more than that. She started by going right back with me in a way that nobody has ever done with me. In a way that's like, okay, tell me a, tell me the story of yourself. You know, these are the exercises I've done with her. What did that when these when these pivotal moments happened? What did they actually mean? What did what was the story you made up about it? When you look at it now, what does it mean? So these are the kind of things that she's done with me that's really awakened my senses yeah. and awakened to me what the narrative has been for me for so long. And whilst it hasn't been negative, it's definitely been limiting. And this is the thing. This is the thing. <clears throat> Life doesn't have to be bad. There doesn't have to be a real grating struggle story, but you can create just this sort of feeling of what's the meaning of life, dude, by limiting yourself. And a lot of us don't realise that we're limiting ourselves. Yeah, totally, completely. And, and this is the thing, you know, I've I've been in business for all these years and I've kind of, if I'm honest, I've done a lot of kind of marketing by numbers, marketing by what 
I feel I should be doing. Oh, that should again. Good look and how what people expect. Yep. When the truth of the matter is, that doesn't mean anything. Yes, okay, I can tick along, you know, I can get coaching clients, I can coach them well, I can have great testimonials. But actually, if it's if I'm not feeling it right, you know, in, in that yep. it's not like a punch in the stomach in the nicest possible way. Yeah. Then for me, it's not enough. No. I need to feel it there. And in me feeling it there, my clients are going to feel it there. Yeah. And they are going to make those transformations or make those difficult choices, make those um, challenging moves, overcome those barriers. Mm-hmm. And so the process of working with somebody who's helping me to really get underneath it and let that voice that's in there go, yay, and come to the forefront yeah. has been, it's been the difference for me. And so the yeah. joy and the passion and the purpose is what I feel in my work. And I think women entrepreneurs can and deserve and and will get, you know, in their business yeah. if they find that voice and they let that voice shine. Yeah. So, and along, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, alongside that, it's like, you know, I didn't touch on this earlier, but I, when I first started coaching, it was really important to me in my, in my soul to work with young people. Mm-hmm. And that work has evolved over time. And now what I see it as is, is giving people, so it's not just young people, it's disadvantaged or disengaged mm-hmm. people, giving people who wouldn't otherwise get access to coaching the opportunity to actually experience the joy and experience somebody seeing them, like really seeing them and listening and hearing them and really hearing them. Because actually, you know, if you if if you're in a system, if you're on benefits or if you dropped out of school or college or whatever, you know, you kind of you have a lot of things done to you. Yep. And Again, it's not all necessarily negative. You know, there's always somebody to help you, somebody to support you, which is all great. But then you can sometimes get stuck in that kind of rut of not really getting what it is that you have to offer. And so I see that as my role. Yeah. To help people in those situations to really see for to see that I see them yep. and turn help them see themselves yep. and have to, and that they can make an impact in the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, I'm smiling deeply inwardly because this happened the other, with, a, with another interview. As we're talking, I make notes and you keep picking up the notes that I'm making, which is really cool. And literally, just before you started talking about your work with disinva- disadvantaged, disenfranchised, disenfranchised, even this, this, this people... Um, who unfortunately are often in positions where when help is offered, they have to take what they can get rather than have what they need. Um, And I I was literally, when you were talking about having a coach, my question was, what about people that can't afford to do that? And I was going to go into, I I saw on your website about things that you do to give back and you've you've touched on that Mm. with the disenfranchised or with the people who at the moment lack the environment and self-belief to be able to 
know for themselves that they make choice they can make choices um because yeah. I'm because t- you're very right about people who life does things to them um what about the people who aren't in the position yet to access coaching um I think it was really interesting that you talked about your coach asking you to tell you the story of yourself using in my, in my head straight away that made me think about coaching I've had and me using this as a journal prompt and that being something that really helped me to see myself mm. the shadows the light all the bits yeah. in between what things can you suggest for people as I just said <laughs> that aren't able at this time to access coaching do you mean in terms of um, things they can do? Yeah, in terms of things that they can do um, to, I guess, stop sleepwalking um, mm. so that they can start to, you know, the brand, my brand yeah. is called 360 because it's about having a entire view of yourself yeah. and sitting in the middle of yourself. I know how I did that. I'm not a coach. I just wondered if there were things that, you could suggest for people to do um, because a lot of people at this moment in time and note that I'm saying at this moment in time don't have the means to access coaching yeah I mean I I think um, the first thing as you mentioned is journaling Mm -hmm. I think there's a real gift to giving yourself that time and that space to write down or to 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 document what's going on in there and then it leads to what's going on in there as well and journal sorry jessica in there she was pointing to her head yeah and then in there she was pointing to her heart (laughs) yeah because that's where it starts you know you're writing what's going on and it's like that brain dump yeah and then as you're writing the more you write the more things come out mm-hmm. that you didn't even know were there or that you didn't really realise were there or that you knew were there but you ignored. Yeah. And if, you, if you're writing unedited as well, that is what happens. I absolutely guarantee. I'm not even going to sit here and say for me. I, yeah. I guarantee it. Yeah. I know it. Is. And so, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I have, can't write or I haven't got time. And it's like, say to yourself every day for four minutes, I'm just going to write. I'm going to get myself a beautiful book. And for four minutes, I'm just going to write. Set a timer on your phone if you're that busy. And just write. Write whatever comes, whatever's in your head, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're happy about. Just write. Yeah. And make that a daily habit. Um, And there's a lady called Jackie Holder who is um, a writer um, and somebody who I've who's who's just amazing mm-hmm. and she 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 does an exercise and I think I think hers might be something like eight minutes of grace or something like that she calls it um and I so I've, I kind of I guess I've kind of stolen that from Jackie and it's and it's just right yeah and when you write don't even read it don't worry about it close it and put it away and do it every single day do every single day for 10 days and notice 
the difference. Notice how lucid you start to feel in your day. You know, if you do it first thing in the morning or last thing at night, notice how lucid you start to feel, how ideas start to flow more naturally, how much more productive you start to feel. And maybe at the end of the 10 days, read back what you've written. Without, don't judge it, just read it. See what you pick up. And the exercise is literally, don't even try and um, intellectualize what you're doing or rationalize what you're doing. Just notice. Because uh-huh. there's, there's a learning to that notice. There's a learning to giving yourself that space. Giving yourself, you know, we talk about self-care and self-love a lot. Giving yourself that space is self-care. It Should is. Your mind, yes. your soul and your spirit. Yeah, I agree totally. The other thing I do is read. So, um, again, I haven't got time to read. Download Audible or whatever. One of my favourite apps. And get off bloody Instagram. And listen to a book. Do you know what? So, I, I started on my Audible journey. Yeah. <laughs> Nearly two years ago. And there's something about listening to a book. Because when you're walking to the shops, when you're in the car, when you're when you're cooking. Yes. And the kids are doing something else or... When you're working, give yourself up. Just listening to a book, it's amazing. And it's, you get lost because then you're not thinking about things and working things out. You just can get lost in what you're, what you're hearing. Yeah. So choose wisely, obviously, what you're listening yes. to. And I tell you, the three, I say three books that changed my life. I always found that a bit of a, oh, you know, Shonda Rhimes, Year of Yes. Oh, my goodness. That book, I listened to that on Audible, and I felt like me and Shonda were like best friends by the end of it. I had about a week of listening to it, and everything in that book resonated with me. You know, we are completely different people, but, Mm -hmm. you know, just that message about saying yes to opportunity. And by saying yes, other opportunities come up. You know, I, I have you know, spend time with clients saying, you know, learn to say no, you know, <laughs> you don't always have to say yes to everything. Yeah. And, you know, I but this is different. This is not, this is limitless living. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I'd say that book definitely still, still changes my life. It resonated with me so much. Mm-hmm. The other book is Auntie Oprah, what I know for sure. When I'm lost, I just I've got it on my Kindle I haven't got the paper I need the paper book because I will just flick through the pages and find something yeah and it's it's always it's true. exactly yeah. that's that, that nothing more needs to be said you know you know you just yeah. know yeah yeah and my third book is Gabrielle Bernstein the universe has your back ah uh, I've got that in my bit, wish list that can be a bit woo-woo for some people but for me that joy and that certainty that there is something bigger than you. There is something bigger than you at force, you know, at work, sorry. Mm -hmm. And you know, like that bigger you, that soul, that spirit that's Mm -hmm. up there, you know, you're just a fragment of it on this earth. And actually that is what's at work it's not about you know the daily grind and the things you do yes of course the things you do impacts your your outcome Mm -hmm. but ultimately there is something bigger than you and if you can believe in that Mm -hmm. and you can offer up your challenges and your troubles to that you will never go wrong absolutely 
And um, she she says a lot, you know, the universe and God, she uses them interchangeably, interchangeably because obviously different people have different beliefs. Yeah. For me, it's God. Yeah. If, you know, I have a strong belief. Yeah. And when you let, when you allow yourself to embrace that, mm. and, you know, say those daily prayers, say those daily offerings, it makes life, makes life easier. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would... A moment of silence was necessary. I would wholeheartedly, yeah, embrace everything you said. I'm just thinking, are you actually tinkering around in my mind, lady? Um, but yeah, no, there's been so many times that in the launch of this brand and putting things together, I've been scared because I've had fashion business before and it didn't work in the way that I wanted to. And when I journaled on it and stripped back, it was because I didn't believe myself. Partly because I have, you know, these beliefs about qualifications and whatnot. Um, and because I didn't believe myself, I was just spinning, listening to everything everywhere and looking at everything everywhere rather than doing what I really wanted to do deep inside myself. And um, that whole notion of removing those limits and knowing that there's something bigger at force has been really helpful for me to get from, you know, thinking about things to actually doing it because I was scared. And sometimes I've had to be as um, direct with myself as, so this thing that you're scared of, if there were no limits whatsoever, if time wasn't... Uh, um, my mind has obstruction. If time wasn't an obstruction, if money was limitless, if energy was limitless, would you be making the decision you're making now? No, I wouldn't. I would be doing X. So I've used that to be scared but still do what I'm doing. Don't because you think there's a real sorry, since don't sorry. you think there's a real power in that fear then? Because you're scared is because it matters. Yes. Totally, totally. It's like, um, you know, it's like a, a, another child um, in many ways. Um, and just taking myself through that process has helped me unshackle myself from many things. Um, no, not many things. It has helped me unshackle myself from stories that I've told myself yeah. about should, can, can't belief, all those sorts of things. Um, and it's really guided me through. And in being scared, but deeply feeling the higher power, um, I've given myself space to observe things keep taking steps when I couldn't see steps and somehow there was always a step for me to take mm -hmm. yeah. and if you, if this was me even two years ago I'd be like fuck off like come off it like 
you know. Um, but that is because I was really deeply connected to this um, ram, ram road or whatever the thing is, trail of being. Yeah. Just keep pounding, yeah. not realising that if I just keep pounding the wall and it's not crumbling, guess who's crumbling? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're bruised and battered, but you keep, keep on... going and taking pride in the fact that I'm bruised and battered and still going. Yeah. Like yeah. Albert Einstein said it very clearly. If you keep doing the same thing and expecting different results or whatever it was that he said about that being madness, like, yeah. come on, I know better. And don't you think when you when when the work is coming from a different place, like a deeper, more resonant place, it uh, it, it is easier. Whilst it's it's scary, somehow it just it just and flows. it's graft. But yes, that's it. It flows. Yeah. It's graft, but it's graft that flows. Yeah. And you and it you do jump out of bed and think, oh God, I've got so much. Jessica. Work. Okay. Just now, as I said, it's graph that flows. The next thing that came into my mind is being able to jump out of bed and get on it. <laughs> Can you get out of my mind? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, um, people talk about work-life balance, and I really hate that expression because I always Finger think. Snaps. <laughs> <laughs> If it's a balance, that means something's got to suffer for something else to prosper. No. No. It's flow. It's ebb and it's flow. And sometimes life will be flooding in and work will have to hold back a bit. And other times work will be flooding. But that's okay. That's why we don't need guilt. We don't need, you know, I should be doing this. It's just... When you're doing the work that's in there, just in 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 there, it flows. Mm-hmm. And it's scary, it, you know. The opportunities present themselves and you think, oh, shit, that's not me. And, you know, if you, if you don't take time... OK, let me not make a blanket statement. When I haven't taken time to acknowledge that flow and the way that, you know... There's that saying that when you're doing whatever, the universe rises up to meet you or whatever. Mm. When you don't acknowledge that, or when I haven't acknowledged that, things have come and they've quickly gone. Things Mm. have come and they've quickly gone. And then I have taken myself, I've created this new narrative about me not being able to sustain anything. But when I actually took the time to think about it, I've had loads of conversations with my coach about consistency and what consistency means. Mm -hmm. And when I have actually really checked it, things, I haven't sustained things because I wasn't being mindful and checking for what was coming in, how it was coming in. So then it just went. When I have taken time to actually really feel, I could think all day long, Leah, who I do, Um, motherhood reconstructed with she's like fam why are you always thinking because when I think it's just thoughts 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 when I feel I can really connect with that thing Mm. it really makes sense to me I take ownership of it and then I am able to nurture it yeah 
It's like another book that's just coming to me, Elizabeth Gilbert, Big Magic. I've not actually had this on Audible. I've got a book of it. And one of the things she says about creative ideas, that the creative idea will will come to you and and because it's yours, it's your idea. If you don't do anything with it, if you don't go with it and flow with it, it will leave you. And go to someone else. Yes, and yes, see yes, someone else yes, yes. Think, oh, well, I had that idea. Yes. But actually, because you didn't, you didn't, um, what's the word? You didn't take it on board and go with the idea when it was there and it was yeah, your. Yeah, yeah, And it's that yeah. kind of thing that yeah. you're talking about, you know. Yeah. You, you have all of these things and it's up to you to, gra- to, to, to grab, grab them and nurture them and, and do what you need to do with them. As opposed to worry about, oh, is it the right thing or whatever? Because the idea is there, so it's yours. It's yours. Yeah. It is yours. Rightfully so, it's yours. Totally. Totally. And, you know, when you have those moments, I have got things stuck. In in the room that I work in, I've got things stuck all over the place because I forget. I've got my... um, blessings jar where I keep a track of things big and small that have happened or I have done things that give me joy I'm just looking at one now um and it's it's something which is really simple but that gave me so much joy it was on the 3rd of January when my nephew daughter and my godson my nephew is one, my daughter and godson are 11, and my godson likes rapping. He was rapping, and my nephew really believed he was rapping along with them. That gave me so much joy. Uh, I feel, I can really feel that feeling now. And it's really important for me to keep records because I can get so involved in doing, I forget all of the things, and then I just get back into that story of I'm lazy, I'm not doing enough, I'm not working hard enough. Mm. So it's really important that when those things come up, I record it so that I can tap back into that yeah. and keep it fresh. And it's well, like not even a... fresh, keep it a place that I can go back to when I start to spin into this spider web of nonsense yeah. about not doing what I'm supposed to be doing yeah. and and it's it's about knowing that what you are what you are doing at that time is what you are supposed to be doing yeah you know like so if you if you have a couple of days of not feeling it instead of sitting at your computer which I've done and going I really must write that blog post I really I, oh gosh I'm rubbish I can't do it. it's just say do you know what I'm not feeling it I'm going to do something else. Yeah. I'm going to do some exercise. I'm going yeah. to see a friend. I'm just going to listen to my book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Because actually, the two days you spent going, maybe if you'd spent a day allowing yourself some joy mm-hmm. and some flow, you'd be more productive on the second day. Yeah. They're desperately trying to do that thing. Yeah. What about people that don't have... That work to somebody else's timetable. You're employed, and your your deadline is your deadline. Because um, I know that you know, I, I I still do freelance work. My deadline is my deadline, mm-hmm. and I have I've had to develop strategies to make sure that I'm hitting my deadline. So mm-hmm. what you're saying about um, if you're not feeling it, you're not feeling it. Mm-hmm. Because I've stood still long enough or I've, I've, I've 
been available to give myself time long enough. I, I know my patterns, so I know what to do. So it is the things like, I know that when it actually comes down to it, I'm going to find all these excuses. So let me make sure I um, go to the gym or go for a walk on that day so that I give myself the space mm. to be able to do what I need to do and hit that deadline. Mm. I suppose um, I, I think it's about setting boundaries on your time. Yeah. So if let's say if you're employed in a nine to five, you know, so it depends on what the work is that you're doing. But ultimately, know that when you leave work, you leave work. Don't get caught in this checking your emails at all hours, which is so easy to do mm-hmm. now because everybody's 24 hour connected. Mm-hmm. Um, take your lunch break. That's a really key what? thing. <laughs> take your lunch break? What? <laughs> Don't sit at your desk and grab a sandwich. Yeah. Take your hour, 45 minutes, whatever yeah. it is that you get, take your lunch break. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest gift you can give to yourself if you're working mm-hmm. in that nine to five mm-hmm. is to take the time out in the day. Mm-hmm. And also, don't if you're employed, don't switch your work email on until you get to work. Mm-hmm. I think there's a big tendency, because you can, to check your emails on the train to give you a head start for when you get in or check your emails before you leave to give you... no. You know, if you're if you're employed, when you get to work, that's when you switch on and that's when you start your day. So when you're going to work, travelling to work, listen to your book, read your book, read the yeah. paper. Actually, I don't want to say read the paper, read your book. Yeah. Listen to music. Yeah. Ease yourself into your day because actually you have that luxury. Yeah. Because yeah. you're being paid to do a job in a specific time. Yeah. So give yourself give yourself the best possible chance to bring the joy in yeah. in time that's your own. So, you know, during the week, before work and after work and in lunchtime mm-hmm. and in the weekend is yours. Yeah. And, and, and with that, try your best to do your work whilst you're at work because sometimes we can get caught up in this is happening over there, this person wants your opinion on X, Y, Z and because you want to be the team player, because you don't want to be seen to be the person who is unapproachable, um, I know that for sure there have been places that I've worked in that have not been as diverse as London Mm-hmm. And there have been, there were, I was very conscious. Let me just say what I'm saying. I was just very conscious it. about me as a black woman and things I'd heard around the office because people didn't have exposure to a variety of black people. So I was very conscious about not fitting into their stereotype. So sometimes was helpful to the detriment of my own work, which then spilled over to me taking it home because I hadn't done it during the workday because I was helping somebody with something else. So I think that it's really important to be mindful about how you give your time at work to things that aren't strictly your own. And you know what's interesting about what you've just said for me is hearing that so you were helping other people and not wanting to fit into a, a stereotype of a black woman, but then you were taking the work home to show that you could also do your job because exactly. you didn't want to be seen. Probably, Ex- I'm imagining there's a black woman who exactly. can do it. Exactly, 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 exactly. <laughs> you know, and therein lies a million and one problems. Yeah. You know, is there yeah. time to pick it? And I think with that, you know, I worked in an industry a long time ago where, although it was very diverse and I worked in London the whole time, 
um, there there was still those, you know, that kind of um, that underlying kind of difference. Mm-hmm. You always feel that difference, mm-hmm. even no matter how open and whatever people are, you still feel that little bit that you have to do that little mm-hmm. bit more to prove yourself. That little, you know, even working in media, I was still frequently the only black face mm-hmm. in, you know, in that boardroom, mm-hmm. as it were, at meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, I don't know, actually, if I'm honest, I don't know how times are changing now. I think times are changing now. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it depends on where you are and who you're with. I think that and, and I'm, I'm, I'm making an assumption here. I think for us, mm. times are changing. But yeah. I think that for people who have other factors impacting them, it's not. But mm. so people from really disadvantaged groups, I mm. think that. But I think for us, and it's again, you're just tinkering around in my mind, in preparation for our conversation, I was thinking about discrimination in its varying forms. And I was thinking it's something that you can feel very strongly, but it's not tangible. Mm. So to explain it to somebody that doesn't feel those feelings, you could end up looking like a dog chasing its tail. Whereas you and I or another black person or another, you know, non-black person of colour, something could happen and we could look at each other immediately and know what time it is and not be able to explain it to anybody that doesn't get it. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and that's what it is. It's that look, isn't it? That, it's that like, yeah, we know what's happened there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Almost. Yeah, and, and it's not even, and, and you know, um, I think um, sometimes there's this thing that, so if you're an articulate person of colour who, who presents themselves in a certain way, I think on both sides, for um, for people of colour and and pe- people not of colour, mm-hmm. they almost like they 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 don't. Oh, hold on, let me find the right words to say this. Okay, so I'm going to just say it. Okay? Yes, come on. <laughs> if you're, so if you're an articulate person of colour, black people might some black people might say to you, "Oh, but you don't get it because you ain't there. You you're not with me. Yeah, you're okay in it because you talk. You know yeah. that kind." of... And then for a white person, um, oh, no, I don't see colour. Oh, you're like us. Get out of here with that. And then then you sit there and you're a bit like, well, actually, I see all of what you're saying. And (laughs) And also, exactly. But this this thing about not seeing colour, I find it so offensive because it's a lie, number one. It's a blatant lie, that's firstly. Number two... What you're saying without saying it is that difference is negative. Therefore, I'm choosing not to see it. Exactly. But you are seeing it. Of course you're seeing it. (laughs) Wouldn't it be so much more beautiful? You go to Kew Gardens. This flower is yellow. It is beautiful. It takes you in. This flower is orange. 
it's beautiful, it takes you in in a different way. This huge billowing plant with all its shades of green and some tinges of yellow is absolutely gorgeous. It takes you in in a different way. That is how we should see humanity. Because let me tell you something, Miss Don't See Colour, because you're thinking it's negative. If you need a um, vital organ or something of that nature, that is the time that you shouldn't see colour. Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? But if we are socialising, if we are engaging, see my colour and kind of love it because, first and foremost, we're humans. And the fact that you feel the need to say that to me tells me that you do see the colour. You know, like... You know, and it it makes me really annoyed. It it makes me really... Is it annoyed? No. It just makes me... irritating. Irritated. It pisses me off. I just Mm. think, come on, just be real. You do see colour. We all see colour. And similarly, for my fellow black people, just because I speak a certain way, it doesn't mean that I don't feel your struggle. It doesn't mean that I don't face the same microaggressions. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I don't face the same othering. Yeah. All of those buzzwords are disconnected. All We're not disconnected. As a human race, whatever colour, race, creed, la la la, you are, you are, you are fight, you are, um, you are facing your own challenges. You are facing your own. Um, your own experiences. Mm -hmm. And yes, sometimes it's down to your colour or the way you speak, Mm -hmm. but not always. And it's negative and positive Mm -hmm. because of those reasons Mm -hmm. as well. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not more accepted because I speak in a certain way or because I look a certain way or whatever. I'm I'm facing my own challenge and realise that and know that. Mm -hmm. And it happens at all levels. And I think that that's something that's um, really beautiful about what you do in working with people who um, are disadvantaged for any reason, because I think that it's really important in these discussions about equality well, I, I wished it would move to equity rather than equality, but in these conversations about equality, mm-hmm. inclusion, diversity, that work is being done with people that are from a lower socio-economic group or don't have the access to the things that people with perhaps more education, more money have access to, mm-hmm. because whilst we're having these very liberal middle-class discussions the people that are impacted by the sharp edge because it's it's a spectrum but the people that are impacted by the sharp edge are often left out and assumptions made about them because aside from the initial presentation they're not being given the opportunity to really voice what their feeling going through experiences are and I hope that through a service like yours, people will be able to have a full grasp of themselves and then therefore their experiences so that whether or not they pronounce their T's 
and they pronounce T-H as F, they mm. are able to be a valid voice that is listened to within these discussions. And it's under, and, uh, and my real underlying purpose with that work is that each individual understands that their voice is worth listening to. Yeah. That actually they have something to say of no. And as yeah. you say, it doesn't matter how they say it. Yeah. What they're saying matters because mm-hmm. nobody can presume to know what exactly what it is they're going through or to understand wholeheartedly their story because yeah. it's a story and they should feel empowered and I never like using the word empowered, but they should they yeah. should feel strong, yeah, powerful enough, yeah, tell it, yeah, because it's valid, yeah. Absolutely. And we can all learn from it. I think it's really important that we have cross society conversations rather than us in our echo chambers, really. Yeah. And, you know, I remember saying to um, somebody a few years ago, um, she was she was my coach and and she was talking to me about telling my story. And I remember saying to her, but I haven't really got a story to tell. Cause like, you know, I, I I didn't grow up, you know, in an abusive home. I didn't, I didn't overcome adversity to get to here. I kind of, I've ticked along and I've done what I've done Mm -hmm. and and now I'm doing more and whatever. And um, she was really adamant and really, um, encouraging me saying of course you have a story of course you have a voice you know every story matters every story will resonate with somebody yeah somewhere yeah yeah and that's so so true yeah you know so um who am I to tell my story who are you not to yeah 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 no definitely 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 so um living fully Mm. Looking at your website, there was lots of living fully, um, Mm -hmm. being powerful, um, talking about joy and purpose, which, you know, made me really light up. Mm. I think in order to do those things, we need to simplify our lives. Mm -hmm. Because if something's really complex, we don't really... I don't think there's the space to be able to do these things. How can a busy woman simplify, maybe that's too big. I'm guessing that your clients are women who are looking for ways to step into their power. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm thinking about you coming from a corporate environment. Mm -hmm. How can women that are working in that corporate environment where there is the notion of presenteeism and outworking this person and being their earliest, being their latest, Mm -hmm. how can somebody in that mindset start to simplify their life so that they can make room to start to live fully, feel powerful, find their joy? Mm. That's a good question. So I think it's making space, but really 
really getting making space to understand what's important to them. So you might be in that environment and you might be on or feel like you're on that hamster wheel. Mm -hmm. But if you're feeling empty, it's it's like um it's like you know you achieved the prize and you've got the big smile, but your eyes are empty. Mm -hmm. So it's about okay, accepting that it's not going to be all about the big prizes and taking time to make space and find out what it is that is really important to you. So, so I suppose, um, how, and that's not an easy thing to do. Mm. So it's like, you know, okay, so I'm in this environment where everyone's here at seven o'clock and doesn't leave till seven o'clock at night, but actually it's making me feel sick. So, mm -hmm. but it's, it's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's the mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what is it? What is it that I would like to do? What would I? What do I want to do? How do I want my work life to look? So, if it's still going to be the seven till seven, what does that mean in terms of? Am I going to do that four days a week rather than five days a week? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to do the not switching my phone on till I get into the office and switching it off the minute I step out of the office door? You know, what is it that you need for you? to start to take that first step of mm. the hamster instead of just getting caught up in it notice mm -hmm. what's happening this mm -hmm. is what's happening to me and this is what I need to do differently I think that's that's the, that's the first practical thing that I can yeah. think I think I think with, with everything with whether you're employed or you're self-employed the first step is to notice what it is that's not working for you because mm -hmm. when you know what's not working for you and you're, and then become the next thing is to become committed to change that. Mm -hmm. Come committed to find the thing that will work for you, and to find that thing by getting some help or changing the way that you're doing things, mm -hmm. reading a book, mm -hmm. developing a new daily habit. Because mm -hmm. the change all starts with you. Mm -hmm. So it's noticing and then moaning about it and beating yourself up about it it's noticing it and 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 taking even if it's just one step because every step will lead to another step yeah and you i like that because we can get really trapped i know for the longest i just talked about um how draining my job was mm. and that was it and i'm thinking that when you're working in an environment where there you're feeling pressure to do those things things like that four-minute journal mm. will help you to get clear because it might not be the entire job. It might be parts that you may be able to change or, or may not. Or it yeah. may be that you journal and realise that it's more about the fact that you've changed and you need to be plotting your way out. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it might be that you've perceived things to be a certain way and there's a conversation to be had yeah. with your boss or with, you know, a colleague or, or something. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, it's so, it's like when you, when you know when you like wake up, <laughs> you, so you notice everything, you start to notice everything. But when you're in, definitely when you're in a corporate job and sometimes when you've been running your business for a little while, you just get caught in this kind of, cycle of doing things the way that you do them because you've always done them that way mm -hmm. and it takes you know a degree of courage but it's it, we've all got it in us to say right okay stop 
actually, this isn't working for me. And whilst I'm not going to change it overnight, there are things I can start to do to start to make the changes. Mm. And it's and it's just the little changes that make such a difference. Take bloody annual leave. Take <laughs> your annual leave. <laughs> exactly. You know, take a day and sit in silence and just breathe. Mm. You know, instead of um, getting the bus, get you know, or getting the bus all the way to work, get off two stops earlier and walk. Yeah. You know, yeah. to give yourself some fresh air. Yeah. To give yourself a bit of headspace. Yeah. Yeah. It's just those little things that you can do. Don't spend time with that toxic person in the office that actually you're smiling at, but they really, really, really piss you off. Yeah. Spend time with them. When they say, let's go for lunch, say no. And that really moany person, just moaning, moaning about home, moaning about work. Because when you leave that person, what are you going to feel? Exactly. Drained. It's the the little things that you can can actually, they are in your control. Yeah. You're there seven till seven. There are so many, there are things that you can do for it to feel less of a grind. Yeah. That is, that's the word, the grind. Mm the grind because even if when when you're working for yourself you know you are responsible for generating your income so you do need to be on it and work and it might be that you carve your day in a different way like for example um I noticed that my natural energy flow was that roundabout 2 to 30 I'd have a surge in energy mm. but my day was being broken up because I had to do the school run yeah so by the time I came back and do this so I had that surge in energy around four-ish I crash and I could literally go to bed there and then um so I had to work around that fortunately my daughter's of an age where she w- walks home from school but some days I pick her up because She's going to be in secondary school soon and secondary school flies by and I'm not going to have much more time to pick her up. So I don't pick her up. But before that, um, I arranged after school club Mm. because I needed that time because sometimes between that two and four o'clock crash, I could get like six hours worth of work done. Yeah, yeah. I'm totally with you because... I think when you work on your own, it's it's a different it's a different type of pressure because if you don't work, you don't get paid. Exactly. You know, <laughs> and I think um, sometimes there's that money is a real saboteur. It can be really sabotaging. Yeah. Of course, we need to earn money to live. Yeah. But um, what I found is not focusing on the money helps. So I'm not trying to be all idealistic, like, oh, don't worry about the money, it'll flow. No, yeah. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is focus on the work and focus on who you're, who who's consuming your work and who you can collaborate with. Focus on that stuff. And, of course, have an eye on how much you're earning, but focus on, on the work and make sure that you charge the right amount. Yes. I think because if you're if you're thinking, OK, I, I really need just for argument's sake, I really need to earn a hundred pounds. And so every single client that comes to me, I'm going to take them so I can earn that hundred pound. And then I'm going to charge each client ten pounds. I'm going to have ten clients. that I'm yeah. working really, really hard to yeah. service. And then I'm going to 
be juggling all these balls and then I drop a ball and I think, oh no, that's 10 pounds I've lost. I've got to work really hard to get another 10. No. Say to yourself, I need to earn 100 pounds and I want to do work. I want to work with people that make me smile. So actually I'm going to put everything into finding two clients and charge them 50 pound each. And the other clients that come is great. That's extra. Yeah. But it's about those two clients that really mean something. Yeah. And try that. Yeah. And I yeah. think, know, what is it, know your worth and add tax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This and stack that, them high and sell them cheap. You're doing yourself and your client group a disservice. Yeah, because if you're burnt out, you're not going to be doing what, you're not going to be at your best. No, no. So focus on your work and making your work the best it can be, whatever yeah. that work is. Yeah. And attracting the right people at the right time who are going to buy yeah. then telling trying to go out there and spread yourself to every single person be everything to everybody because that will never work no it just doesn't no and if you're focused on the work and the quality mm. and being of service mm. we live in a capitalistic world everything sort of functions with money and you know what as well we it shouldn't be we shouldn't see it as a dirty thing because it can be energy and that financial energy can be used in so many different ways not just for material things because that's what a lot of people associate money with Mm. um but if you're focused on the service the quality doing the work knowing that you're not for everybody um, and that's absolutely fine. The money yeah. will come. Yeah. As so when I say sabotage, and I don't mean because money is a bad thing. I mean just in the sense that we allow it. We can. Yeah. And definitely, as women business owners. Yeah. To to sabotage what we're doing because we're worrying about it. But it's a great thing. Yeah. But it's just about your relationship. With yeah. It. And I think that's the other thing. Know that you're not for everybody. That's really because because. That, you know, like it's that whole thing. You you put out this amazing your heart's work, this amazing work, and you get fifty people telling you it's amazing, and one person tells you it's shit. And then and you follow that. I need to rethink my strategy now. And actually, it's know that for every ten people that love it, there'll probably be five that don't. But that's okay. Yeah. You don't need to focus your energy on trying to make it better for them. Focus your energy on people that do love it. Yeah, yeah. I I, I said to um. The, the web designer when I was doing my website um, I've decided I want to be like Marmite either you love it or you don't because I've tried so hard to be liked by everybody and actually you can't be yourself when you do that exactly and so either you're, you're, you're with it you're with me or you're not yeah. and if you're that's fine you unfollow yeah. you don't look at it you unsubscribe yeah and you know what that's okay I spent a long time a few years ago really worrying about the unsubscribes I'm very yeah, yeah. Person unsubscribe. Oh my good. Oh, what's? Maybe I need to change my messaging. Maybe I didn't. Didn't need it. And actually, that was a lot of energy. Because I'm just not for you, and that's fine. There's a lady I a coach I follow. Her name's Sass Petherick, and on her thing it says every single on all of her mailings it says at the end, feel free to unsubscribe. You know, I won't feel offended. I just know I'm not for you. Or something. She doesn't say those. It be something, something like that. She, yeah. She says it in a more articulate way. And that's true. That's yeah. owning it, isn't it? Yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. You love it. And if you don't, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally, totally, totally. Gosh, I mean, you know, if you think about nature, not everything 
works with everything it's not supposed to mm. a um i don't know we can't grow tropical fruit in england without <laughs> lots of jiggery pokery because it's not supposed to be here it's not a native of here we don't have the climate for it it <laughs> flourishes in tro tropical countries because that's where it's supposed to um yeah. so if we think about that it it it, it only makes sense that we cannot be for everybody and I just think the compromise that you go through trying to make everybody else comfortable you're contorting yourself in so many ways you, you're just um you're living via your representative yeah do you know what you said about the fruit makes me laugh oranges when they grow in an orange tree are green yes my parents have an orange tree in their house in Ghana the oranges are green. They are beautiful. They're the juiciest, most succulent oranges I've ever had in my life. But they're green. They're still oranges. And they thrive and yeah. they grow year yeah. after year. Yeah. The oranges here are bright orange. They're injected, they're modified, they're whatever or whatever. That's fine. That's what happens. But think of that process they have to go through. Imagine if you could just be that green orange. Exactly. Still tasty. And, I, and you know, you probably meet an orange from Seville which is orange, yeah. but that doesn't detract from the green orange being an orange. Exactly. So I think this whole <clears throat> popularity contest just is more harmful, than, well, it's always been, but more harmful than anything, because if you are going for popularity rather than purpose, you're going to miss the people that you could really have a meaningful relationship with. I love that purpose rather than popularity yeah. and that's true yeah so jessica yeah i've been making notes along the way and we we have covered all of those and then some <laughs> is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think is really important to share um i think the key thing for me is is to know, just to know your, we've touched on it, but to know your work and to really own who you are, mm -hmm. like on every level, whether you're employed, whether you're self-employed, to recognise that, you know, your voice and your journey matters and own it. Mm -hmm. Don't genetically modify it. Hey! <laughs> As Oprah would say, that's a tweetable yeah. moment. Yeah. Um, so for our listeners my listeners um how can people keep up with you so um you can connect with me via my website which is www.jessicavrogers.co.uk or you can follow me on twitter and instagram and what um, are your twitter, yeah my twitter is jess rogers coach and sorry no that's a lie my instagram is jess <laughs> <laughs> uh, my twitter is jessica rogers 76 brilliant um i will make sure that i link all of that in the show notes um do you have anything coming up any events any speaking engagements anything that people can book tickets for or find a link to participate in so i have um a new service that i'm offering called wonderful one days mm -hmm. so um i'm gonna run my first one in may it will be in london mm -hmm. and it'll be a, a day for a small group of women to get together to um they come with one business challenge 
which they can draw on the expertise in the room and me as well mm -hmm. to help them to find new perspectives for that specific challenge. Mm. And it's a day to work on, work on a challenge, build connections, um, and just have some space for yourself. So the first one will be in May. Mm -hmm. All the details will be on my website in the next couple of weeks. So sign up to my newsletter mm -hmm. and be first to know. That sounds absolutely wonderful. May is full on, but depending on the date, I think I might need to... Um... So this is FOMO now. This is FOMO. <laughs> I, just, I just don't want to miss out. But no, it sounds absolutely wonderful. Um, thank you so much for spending time with us. Um, I look forward to continuing to see you on your journey. Mm. And you we'll have to talk about say, collaboration yeah. or something. Yeah, and I just want to say to you, this... Um... Your this new brand of your this new podcast is fantastic. Oh, thank you. So needed. I'm so pleased that um, we've spoken today. It's been really, really good. Good. And I'm really, really, really proud of you. Isn't it, you oh, know? Jessica, you're gonna make me cry now. I'm really pleased. Really pleased. Thank you. It's beautiful. Thank so you very one. much. Thank oh, wait, you. So the fashion line. Yeah, yeah, that's coming. Um, my website's almost done, so. That will be going up. And that's something, when you were talking about charging what you're worth, that's something I've really grappled with. And I had to just sit down and speak to my best friend and have a word with myself. Um, so that, that will be coming up sooner than you know. Fantastic. Sooner than I know, even. Thank you very, very much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to the 360 podcast. We can continue the conversation on social media using the hashtags Live360 and Everyday Joy. I hope to see you on my social media channel. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, comment, rate, and share this podcast wherever you're listening. 360 Conversations is produced by me, Tammy Thomas. Podcast music produced by James Anderson. I look forward to engaging with you next time. 